yeah, we need a mic check. Yeah. Oh, wait, was that the <laughs> mic check? Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that really lays into Jared and lets him know, I beat you four times last night at pool. Oh yeah, that's true. I was very drunk. <laughs> I am your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, how drunk were you? Oh, okay, well, I should say, I was I was pretty drunk by the end. You beat me when I was sober, too. Yeah. I was I, waiting waiting for the curve to happen, I where didn't. I get bad at pool. And it would have happened had we continued playing. That's true. I The closing of the pool hall near us that has left me not playing in almost a year devastating yeah i lost every bit of skill i once had which wasn't even a lot <laughs> you Jared, how's your week been good so you know when you accomplish something and then you're cripplingly depressed for like several days afterwards because you don't know what else you want to do no but go uh, on oh <laughs> oh no <laughs> is that just me no i've heard people say this before yeah so like relaxing good and then deep depression for a couple of days, and then better. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, yeah. I went on a darkness retreat. <laughs> did you come out queen on the other side? Uh, no, but I decided I did not want to be the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers afterwards. Ah, if only everyone could come to that decision. <laughs> How was your week, Stephen? Uh, it's all right. It was pretty a, a pretty wild week at work. Just random things happening that I can't go into on the mic, but you're just sure. like, huh. I wasn't prepared for this, so now, let's do it. Steven. Yes. We cannot go into it on the mic. We'll let people create their theories. But we had a good hustle set last night that you would not commit to. On mic, can I get you to commit to the hustle? I can I can take a hit. I don't know what we're talking about. If somebody very affluent were to hit me with their car. Uh, no. No, I'm not going to commit to that hustle, Jared. On mic. No. On the record. Absolutely not. Damn it. <laughs> Jared is... Get, he's planning a get rich quick scheme and they never I, work. I don't want to be a part of this. All Steven has to do is hit me with a car. No, not doing that. I hate everything about this. Uh, but you know what we don't hate? Emails. emails. That's where I was going. I'm glad you did it. Oh, uh, if you want to email us, you can do that. I won't hit you with a car. I swear. If I email you asking you, asking you to hit me with your car, to get rich quick? No. Okay. I'm not going to do that. If you want to send us an email, feel free to do that at SurvivorTBT at gmail.com. Or you can send us in different ways, you slash SurvivorTBT on Reddit, on Twitter, at SurvivorTBT. I would like to say, if this is being used in a trial against me, this is a joke. I would never actually do this. I'm putting that on the record now. Good to this know. This is satire. Good to know. <laughs> Our first couple emails, emails from Carl. Carl's back. Hey guys, after being back from literally over 30 hours of nonstop travel last night, Yikes. I counted. My body's inner clock is all sorts of messed up, so I woke up at 5 a.m. today with the whole day off work. What better way to spend my extra time than vomiting two weeks worth of Survivor Marquesas thoughts onto you at a time? Hey! We'll do a couple different emails because they're both jam-packed. Lives in Milwaukee. Oh, hey. We'd love to meet up sometime, although I have no idea what an upper whacker is. Whacker. I hardly knows her. I gug, gug, gug. Agree that if you know a ref's name, it's a bad sign. Yes. And sends us a clip from the NBA to start watching it 35 seconds, so I'm going to play it. Go, Ed Malloy! <laughs> 
I don't know anything about basketball, so I don't know what call was missed, but uh, the announcer sure did. Oh, he chopped him across the wrist as he oh. went up to shot. It was very clear and obvious, but I, I get it. Like, you don't want to call a foul in the last minute. You want to let it play out. You call that foul. Yeah. You absolutely call that foul. The pink merge buff is an unfiltered drip. I don't know what the general is on. Agreed. Good, good stuff. I'm jumping around here. I'm with Steven. Rob is fucking around with the splashing. No, I know. We I already did the Jared was wrong song. Yeah. <laughs> He's Jared and he was wrong. He's singing the Jared wrong song. Also would have been cool to see the John and Sean conversations. Yeah. I, I wish we would have got that. And don't think that Rob being loud at Tribal Council would have helped much, actually, because I think Nolia and Pasco would be the type of people to, to be put off by a loud dramatic display rather than convinced. Probably. I don't I, think there's anything he could have done at that point. No. And we kind of talked about it a little bit, that, like, he, he was dead in the water, and people told him he was dead in the water, so he was probably just sitting there thinking, eh. I don't miss Boston Rob as much as I thought I was going to. Oh, this season's fine, like, without him. Like, since he's been gone, this season's been very good. Interesting. Very interesting. It's not better without him, but it's also not worse. Sure. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Episode 8. Love how Tammy opens up the episode congratulating everyone on making the jury. <laughs> it's a great accomplishment. So condescending. <laughs> Such a good setup for that episode. Uh-huh. Such a legendary episode, but it also contains the dumbest challenge of all time. I like saying, I like Sean saying it looks like Little Rascals, but built his kite, though. Yeah, the kite challenge is fucking stupid. It's so stupid. That's actually something I have in this episode, too, is that so many of these challenges that we've gone through the season, it just feels like they're losing steam. Like, they don't, they did not have enough time to make the challenges for this season, and they are throwing shit together. Mm-hmm. You can, like, see the fucking Elmer's glue behind the scenes. Uh, I mean, literally holding together those... Those kites, yes. Yeah. Talks about Zoe seductively eating the snicker bar out of Jeff's hand. Beautiful. Frozen grapes are good. We talked about frozen things. Yeah, yeah frozen snacks. They're okay. I don't know. I, I was waiting for more, but I think that's funny. They're okay. Big dig into the challenge about how the, the coconut chop is absolutely iconic. Everything from the row 2-4 being cocky to Sean saying, this is the order, this is how we're going to go. And John blowing a kiss at the end to Sean is perfect. And a power flip had never happened in Survivor up to this point. No. People didn't think of it as a possibility. Yeah, it's awesome. Everyone remember that they all have one vote. And yeah. if you have the numbers, it doesn't matter what's happened before. Yeah. Oh. Oh, and John did an AMA a little while ago where he shared some interesting bits. Pascal asked John at about 4 or 5 a.m., if he'd be willing to switch out the general and Zoe for him and Nalia, and John told him he'd get back to him. <laughs> Left him on red. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out, uh, no. John claims he realized what was going on in the coconut chop after being ousted from the challenge, but Tammy and Robert never caught onto it and started worrying. I mean, sure. Like, yeah. And you're sitting there, it's easier to see from the sidelines than in the game. And also, that was 20 years ago. It could be true. It could also be one of those things of like, it seems so obvious in hindsight yeah. that now you have changed out the memory in your own head. Yeah. And claims that he read Gabe's diary earlier in the game and learned that Gabe had conflicted feelings about voting for Pascal and Nalia. This along with the fact that John had a crush on Gabe factors in eliminating him. And it's a travesty that he has, that John has never returned to Survivor. I agree. I also agree. There's so many good... Like, he would be a good player. And yes. he would be a good returner. And maybe still have the chance. I don't know. Survivor always continues going on. And finally, episode 9 slash 10. 
That's how we do our naming conventions here. Happy we found Zoe's radical truths. What a bizarre creature she is. What a strange, strange person. <laughs> Maybe Limo Rob was intentionally trying to play Pascal's biases with the Sean V comment? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Very easily could be. Still challenges a train wreck. I like the concept, but when the final showdown is who can stand up for more than five seconds? Stupid. <laughs> the stilts were pretty. Go back and watch Zoe's final words again. She literally says, sweet dreams to all, and then blows a kiss at the camera and winks like a s sultry temptress. I almost read that word very wrong. Sultry. Mwah. What did you want to say? Don't worry about it. Okay. Not going to say it. This is the episode of not saying things, which yeah. is a gr great for podcasting, Stephen. Most people say good luck, guys, or see ya after the torch is snuffed. Zoe, strength and honor. Mm. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. She's so weird. There's a DVD segment. Zoe's interview with the early show is so weird and capped by her showing a sexy calendar featuring only Zoe. <laughs> it's called A Year in the Life of Zoe, and I think you can find a couple pics of it online still. That's awesome. Oh my goodness. Somebody with negative self-awareness. Wow. And then Joss also sent in an email, but it's for the finale. He's prepped. He's ready to go. Wow. Okay. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to Before go. we get into the episode, though... I do want to say one thing. If you are in the Chicago area and you are interested in going to C2E2, which is mm. a, uh, I guess, like Comic-Con in Chicago, yeah, essentially. Convention. Yeah. Anime. I've never been. Jared, have you been? I've never been. We're going this year. We're going the Sunday. Sunday, April 2nd, I believe, is, is the date. Sure. So if you want to, like, if you're in the area, you're going to it, shoot us an email. We, we love meeting people. We're going to have fun, maybe be drunk, maybe just be walking around in goofy costumes. I'll bring my flask. Hell yeah. Will they let that in? I don't know. I don't know. Medicinal. <laughs> it's medicinal. You know what they will let in, though? A bumper. For the record, it's not medicinal. Uh, <laughs> alcohol does not help diabetes. What? I know. Shocking. All right, so this episode came out on May 2nd, 2002. Not a lot in the world between last episode and this episode. There was, like, a mass killing in Germany. I'm not going to talk about because let's not elevate that person's actions. Sure. The only thing of, like, newsworthy note was United States is re-elected to the United Nations Commission on Human Rights one year after losing the seat it had held for 50 years. <laughs> so the UN was like, all right, you can come back because we you, you got some towers blown up. You can come back and talk about human rights that you abuse. <laughs> But they were only gone for one year. Yes. So they abused the human rights and were just granted it back. I don't know. I'm upset. Go on. I mean, if, assuming it was like one year exactly, that'd be April of 2001. And oh, then sure. something very important happened in September of 2001 and they're like, all right, all right, you can come back. You can come back. And then we proceeded to abuse rights of people for many years. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, the same song was top of the charts, and uh, the top five movies, nothing really jumped out at me that we haven't already talked about. Jason X, Life or Something Like It, Murder by Numbers, Changing Lanes, and The Scorpion King still holding strong. Hmm. Everything across the board was down from last from the week before, so um, movies in general kind of falling. Panic Room hanging around at number six, though. People really liked Panic Room. And that's it. That's it. That's, that's the week in review. Well, good. Let's get into the episode, then. Episode 11, The Princess. I actually really like this title. Okay. It gives a good summation of the episode without spoiling anything. 
Yeah. And it can be talking about two different people. At the beginning of the episode, it could be. Sure. It could be talking about Nalia, or it could be talking about V, because it's her birthday, and you don't know where that's going to go. Oh, yeah. And it has, I don't know, it's, it's like, narrative-driven. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot going on in this episode, too, so it's... This is a great episode. It just, it keeps it going. So, we open the episode, there's 11 days left. We're talking, we, we've hit the curve, we've hit the uncomfortability curve. Yeah. Where people are feeling it, people are struggling to sleep, people are looking pretty weak and pretty tired, and it shows now. Yeah, they really all kind of hit the wall at the same point, and yeah. I know that's also like what the show shows us versus what it doesn't, but everyone looks kind of rough this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and Sean gives us a nice, beautiful little hint in how the, the vibe is. It's all lovey-dovey at camp. Mm-hmm. They're spooning, they're snuggling, but he's like, it's all a fallacy. Let's see if the love tribe exists after we leave the game. Yeah. Sean is my favorite player in Survivor thus far. Seasons one to four. He is... I did not expect him to last this long. Because he's a person of color that is very outspoken. Yeah. Uh, It's... He's kind of lucky in some ways that Boston Rob existed. (laughs) Because (laughs) Boston Rob took all the aggro. But I... I love Sean. This is... He gets it. Yeah. He understands the game and i'm sure other people do too and then we're just not hearing their point of views but like he's is being authentic and genuine and like with people in the moment to moment and like you know in doing the things that make it the love tribe but there's always something back of his mind that's reminding him that this is a game he's a game he's aware yeah He, he he's good at communicating that to us yes and i feel like that's where other survivor players who are good at the strategy, good at the game, and re- recognizing what's going on, they're not always good at communicating back to us. Like, yeah, I'm just doing this because if I don't, they'll send me home. Sure. It will hinder my chances. Or they don't show us. But overall, Sean is shown to be a very effective communicator. Yeah. I really like Sean. Just a really smart guy. I really hope he comes for All-Stars. And we go on to Vesepia's birthday. <laughs> we, have a, we have a nice little birthday celebration. We light a couple grass reeds we open some bananas Vesepia yeah. blows out the the grass reed candles it's, it's sweet it's cute i i had put down even before that i was like does v want to be here like we don't really <laughs> get anything from her this kind of whole season she's been kind of buried even though it's commented later that she's flipped more than anybody else but we never hear about it yeah like when she flipped on on boston rob like we discovered in the in like our emails and all that come out later that like she had told Boston Rob that she was flipping. Yeah. We never got to see that watching the season. So show and tell survivors. Show yeah. and tell. They just have decided that Vesepi is not important. And I get it. There's only so much screen time and I don't know where the season goes. So, you know, maybe <laughs> those kinds of, maybe her story or beats of her story weren't as important as others to tell the eventual like winner's story. Yeah. I could have given her a little bit more. She's had, a, she's had an interesting journey yeah. that we haven't gotten to see. Editors. Do better. Anyway, we're we're still talking about the energy dipping, and everyone's talking about food. They're talking desserts. They're talking Oreos. They're talking brownies. They're talking fudge, and they're talking about how you know the odds of us catching a fish at this point are diminishing day by day by day because we just don't have the energy to go out and keep trying to do this over and over again. It's just not possible. And then Kathy's like, I'm sick of listening to this dessert talk. I'm going to go catch a fish. Yeah. Kathy, so I mentioned everyone else is hitting a wall. 
Kathy has been gaining strength as the season goes on. <laughs> like, the, she is one of the players that I'm like, if you just said that she left society and now lives on an island alone, I would probably believe you. She is thriving out there and kind of loves it. This is her game, man. She's just, she is the survivalist. She has the skills and the drive and... And she's still playing the game. And she's still playing the game. But she looks like Pascal is becoming a skeleton before our very eyes. Like, every episode... You can track the passage of time by how much closer to death Pascal looks like. If you compared Kathy, like, episode one to now, she looks happier and healthier. Yeah. I mean, probably not healthier, but... But happier, definitely. She's glowing. <laughs> Crazy. She's so glad to be here. She's out trying to literally tomahawk a, a shark. <laughs> She's gonna try. And she, she does, does not succeed. She does not succeed here. It's... But she has a plan in place, and interesting that they, they want us to see this. With all the food talk, I thought for sure this was going to be an auction. I, yeah. It, it's a good thought, because they, they really hinted at this same thing the last couple times they did the auction. Yep. So, by all means, this looks like it should be an auction. And it's not. We, we go collect the reward papers, and there's a cute little moment here between V and Sean. Mm-hmm. And they they just read the thing real quick. We don't really get to see that. And Vizepi is like, is there anything else in there? And Sean looks in. He's like, oh, wait, yeah, there is one more thing. It's a wish and pulls out <laughs> nothing. It's a birthday wish. And then they get, they give a hug and Vizepi is crying, missing her husband. Yeah. It, it's a beautiful, tender moment. And then she says her fighting game character line. God is with us. God is with us. But when they get back to camp to read it, they read it in the most disgusting unison I've ever heard. I literally wrote down, what is this two-headed giant shit? Like, did they practice this? They, they're reading together, but not at the same pitch. It's just like slightly off. So it's a really grating sound to hear both voices at the same time reading the same thing. But they're perfectly in rhythm. Yeah. But horribly off pitch. I hate it. I hate it so much. This is the shit that drives me wild. <laughs> anyway, roar challenge. Sean's worried about swimming. General really needs to get something, is what he says. And Sean's like, everyone needs something. We're all dying out here. Yeah. We're not gonna just give it to you because you're sad. Fucking piss baby Igor. <laughs> he gets better throughout the episode. Yeah. But... Not by much. No. We get water musical chairs, kinda. This challenge sucks. I I disagree. I like this challenge. Well, okay. I like the elements of this challenge. Unfortunate that you have the crew that you have, because yeah. I don't think it works the way it should have, because mm. you have two people who aren't very good at swimming. This is just a worse version of the ladder challenge last season. Wait, no, was that this season? Where they had to, like, unchain... Yeah, that was this season. It was a team challenge. They had to, like, unchain a ladder. Okay. It just, it, it felt incomplete again. And I, I'm not going to talk about every challenge, but I know <laughs> they had to swap quickly from the Jordanian desert. But it just kind of feels lazy. Okay. Or at least unfinished. Sure. Like, we put the shells down here and we painted big yellow rocks next to them so you could find them. Also, my, the production side of my brain was like, they have to reset this. Every time. Every time. They, they have the cameraman down there, though. They have scuba teams, because yeah. you see them recording. So I'm sure it didn't take them very long, but sure. still, pain in the butt. It's the same spot every time, so it's really more of like kind of a race. Yeah. That water is pretty cloudy, though. That's true. I 
I feel like that would be the biggest struggle for me to go find it is the, where, where is it? Where, where is it? And maybe you're right. Maybe with a better crew of, of swimmers, like mm. this would be a more interesting challenge. But like, you kind of know that it's going to be Sean or V and then the other one yep. and then Nalia, obviously. It, it's pretty obvious what's going to happen in that first stage. They have three rounds of this aquatic musical chairs where they they jump in the water you grab a shell you bring it up to the surface and you're in so like you said Vesepia can't it gives up before the first one even ends so sean just has to come up with a shell and he does eventually yeah and then sean's very clearly not gonna get it very fast in the second time He's i did exhausted. like i did like the moment with jeff of being like genuinely like proud of him and be yeah. like now he's gotta do it again <laughs> <laughs> do it one more time Everyone's really excited for him, yeah. too. It, it's a weird moment of congratulations in a Survivor Challenge that I feel like we don't see very often. Yeah, well, it, it, it requires this confluence of perfect scenario. You yeah. need somebody that will receive it genuinely, that mm -hmm. won't take it as, like, you know, pitying them or patronizing them. Mm -hmm. You have to genuinely give the compliment, and they have to not be a threat in the challenge. Yeah. So, like, that's a that's a pretty unique set of circumstances for it not to feel, like, patronizing or or anything else. Yeah. There is one one scenario in the most recent season of Survivor, I, 43? 40, yeah, 43. 43, where a very similar circumstance happens where you're mm. like, oh, we're, just, we're just so proud of you and killed it. But, yeah, it, we'll get there when we get there in, like, seven years. <laughs> and then we get to the second half of the challenge, which is to take the rock that was the marker and to haul it to the shoreline. That's the goal, is just drag it as far as you can underwater, because you're clearly not going to bring that up above the water. No. You're just going to have to drag it along the ocean floor, get it to the shore, and then drop it at Jeff's feet for some reason. Why not just be the first person that gets out of the water? Yeah. <laughs> or put it on a pedestal or, or something. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, there's so many elements of this challenge that just feel unfinished. Yeah. I do like this challenge, though. I, just, me, personally, I It really has potential. It. Yeah. Everyone's kind of in it. Generals looks like he's doing well. But the big surprise of this challenge, Pascal is a beast here. Oh, yeah. He digs deep. He digs deep, and you you see his tiny little skeleton body just, like, hauling this rock as far as he can underwater, barely coming up for air. I'm really impressed at Pascal here. And, like, he was just chucking it, which is really smart. Yeah. And he doesn't have much energy. We've seen throughout the episode and just, like, how small he is. He He's running on fumes, Mm -hmm. despite the the feast he got in the last episode. But man, he cruises through this and all the people at the shoreline are just cheering for him. Sean is cheering for him. Nalia is cheering for him. Vesepia. Everyone's so happy when he gets out of the water with this giant rock and brings it over and plops it right at Jeff's feet. <laughs> it's so funny. It's I, so funny. I don't know what about that is so funny, but it's just like, here you go, Jeff. <sighs> Enjoy your rock. <laughs> Take your rock. And so he wins, our sponsor for the, the episode, he wins a chance to use Jeff's Visa card. Show it on the screen. Gotta cancel that card now. Immediately. <laughs> he gets to use that Visa card 
and book a room on that cruise ship that's sitting out in the ocean that you've probably seen for the past day and a half because they have to set this up. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, why is that ship just sitting there? Yeah, it's just, uh, it just wants to take a look at us. I don't, don't worry about it. It's a documentary about the game show. <laughs> Again, we get the Visa card. It's so dumb. It's very clearly a sponsorship from Visa. Mm-hmm. They're like, you have to show it, but it's Jeff's personal card. Why does it have to be Jeff's personal card? It doesn't. It doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. I've gone on this soapbox before, but it still makes me mad. I wonder if it's <laughs> if it's easier to put it in his own name to then cancel it. Like, if it's, <laughs> like, business cards are, like, tied together, so it's like, well, let's put it in your name, and then we can just immediately get rid of it. Oh, that's a smart thought you got there, Jared. Thank you. <laughs> I am educated. <laughs> This happens, it's like, yeah, we're gonna pick you up tomorrow, you're gonna get on this cruise ship, and we're gonna we're gonna do it. This whole time you're like, why isn't there a second seat in this? Yeah. I was like, he's gonna tell him to bring somebody, for sure. It's the same thing we pulled in Africa, yep. where you're like, mm, someone gets to come along. Yeah. So you see you see this ship out in in the ocean, it's not too far, they bring a boat in, a nice little raft, I don't know, it's it's tiny. Yeah. With a driver and Jeff in his finale long sleeve black tee. Oh yeah. It's really weird to see him in the long sleeve black tee in the game. Yeah. Because that's something he very specifically wears for a finale. I knew he looked odd, but I didn't know why. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder what happened to wardrobe to make that happen. Or he's just like, I don't know, it's not a challenge day. I can wear what I want. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so they get on the ship. They get on the Spirit of Oceana. I tried to look up the ship. I could not find any details because mm. I, I didn't know like what cruise line this was. It, it might have been a private ship. It's a very small cruise ship. It's a very small ship, but it had like the full check-in system. So it had, yeah. to, it had to be under something. That's true. Oh, before this happens, Pascal gets on the tiny boat and Jeff's like, it's a big ship. You can't be on that alone. Pascal immediately turns around. No, yeah! Doesn't even try to like think about it. No. Just, it's, yells out to the person. So this is, obviously, Nilly and Pascal are not romantic. No. But this is all of the dangers of a showmance. Like, we talk about, like, oh, they're never going to betray each other. They're never going... They're always... They are a locked into and nothing you can do can split it up. Yeah. Is the two of them. And I am shocked it does not bite them in the ass here. And also, I remember I was thinking, I was like, it's V's birthday! Yeah. Ugh. And Sean brings it up. He's yeah. like, it's V's birthday. I would have brought her. Well, one, of course you would have brought her, Sean. She's your other voting block here. Yeah. Two, I I do, I wonder, would other people do that? Would anyone else do that in this situation? I think Kathy would have. I think Kathy would have, because she doesn't have, like, a locked-in mm -hmm. number two. But I think that's probably it. Maybe Igor or Tammy, if they were trying to win favor. If they were thinking strategically. Sure. But, yeah. I mean, I... It wouldn't... I get it from Pascal's point of view. Like, he wants to spend time with his... The person that he has grown the deepest bond with. Yeah. I totally get it. I don't blame him at all. I was just like, oh, that's so sad for me. <laughs> I all, I also feel bad. But they, they get on the ship. They check in with the Visa card. Take a look at that Visa card. Look at it. Look at it. Jeff's name. They go to the room. And this is giving me so many flashbacks to working on a ship. Like, it's, <laughs> it's horrible. They... Go in the room, they immediately look at the mirror. Something weird to think about, they, they just don't have a mirror. Yeah, they haven't seen themselves. They haven't seen themselves in three weeks at this point. Yeah. Imagine just the shock being like, ah, I look terrible. 
I haven't seen myself in so long, but I look like shit. I mean, you've seen, you can see parts of yourself. So, like, you know how much weight you've lost yeah. and all of that. But, yeah, your face and all the dirt and everything, like, <laughs> Yeah. It, you could get, like, a reflective surface, like the ocean. But even still, you're only getting, like, a skewed image. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. So, I'm going to get on Jared's socialism soapbox for a minute. Okay. I don't think you probably expected that at this point in the episode. I no, but go on. There's just something it like punched me in the face how Squid Games esque this episode is, <laughs> because you have Pascal like withering away, mm-hmm. talking about like how excited he is to go on, how much he suffered, how excited he is to go on this boat, like sitting on the like rocks and talking about like the no nos and all of the other like horrible things they had to deal with over the last few weeks, and then. He, it was his comment of saying, like, this is how the rich live or something like that. I was like, oh, my God. Like, these people are killing themselves for a million dollars that robber barons make passively off of stock trades. Which is so funny because he is a judge. Not, yeah. It's not like he's hurting for money. And I'm sure, like, a judge has a nice salary in a rural area is makes it nicer. Uh, sure, lower cost of living. Yeah. I'm just saying, eat the rich. <laughs> Fucking eat them all. Like, it blows my mind that this is just how, like, people in 2002, like, rich people in 2002 just kind of live, and Pascal is, uh, dying, and all of them are dying for a little taste of it. Squid Games is a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> What's weird in this, in this nice little set of clips is that Nalia and Pascal get a shower. Mm-hmm. And the cameraman is just waiting outside the shower for them to come out. And they show Nalia in the towel, like, immediately opening the door. And you're like, I am... You didn't need to show that. We know why they're showing it. And yeah. not showing Pascal coming out in a towel. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Camera, Mr. Cameraman, why, why are you in the bathroom? Get out of here. <laughs> Mr. Cameraman was waiting in the shower. Who knew that David Cage directed this episode? That's a deep pull for for uh, Beyond Two Souls. Look up Beyond Two Souls uh, Ellen Page or Elliot Page. I don't know if they've updated the articles. Use Elliot Page because they updated the Umbrella Academy intros. Okay, I'm just going to tell the story. Okay, go on. Very, very briefly, maybe I've told it before, uh, David Cage, who's made Detroit Become Human, Beyond Two Souls, all those, when... They, when he did Beyond Three Souls, Willem Dafoe and Elliot Page were the characters that they were like actually modeled after. Like they modeled their and did like motion capture. Yep. Elliot Page had a thing in their contract of like no nude, nothing nude. Sure. And there's a shower scene, which is fine because it's like out. It's it's I don't. Know, David Cage is a creep. It probably didn't need to be in there, but Elliot Page was fine with that as long as nothing was shown. And there should have been no reason to render a fully nude model. But if you did a camera break, you could see a fully nude Elliot Page. Why? Or at the time, Ellen Page. That's why I said, I don't know if the article, the articles are from like 10 years ago. So I got, right. I went through and changed it. But, I still want a dead name. Somebody. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Wild. And like, I think David Gage got sued over it. So it was like, why is this even here? Yeah, I, I absolutely should. There's no point in it. You don't have to do that. Gross. Anyway, side tangent about David Cage being horrible aside. Anyway, back at camp, they're having a troco dinner, which is just mussels and gross seafood. And they're they're contemplating, will they be able to smuggle us any food back? Will they? Problem number seven with of like 32 of being allowed to smuggle food back is now it's an expectation. Correct. Cut back to the cruise ship. They're having escargot, which I think is 
really funny after living off of all of muscles, this, <laughs> muscles and garbage. Escargot was the last thing that I would want to have, even though it, it's a delicacy. Yeah, I absolutely not. No. But then they get on to the, the, the meal, they get potatoes, they get steak. As Pascal calls it, cream brulee. That's actually my drag name. <laughs> Coming to the stage! Cream brulee! <laughs> Hate it. And then they, they contemplate a little bit. I hope they don't get upset and vote me out because of this. And then they get the bill. And Pascal's contemplating, like, okay, I wonder how much the bill for this is gonna be. I'm guessing, like, $150. That guess, I was already, it's gotta be more than that. Yeah. And then the bill was in the, th it was $312. That's so cheap. It's so cheap. I mean. It's 2002. It's 2002. Is it just the meal or is this the entire cruise ship's day? No, that's the meal. That's the meal for sure. Okay. Okay. Then I guess it's not as cheap as I thought then, but still cheaper than maybe it should be on a luxury cruise ship having a five-star meal. And he tipped $200, he which, tipped, hell yeah, Pascal. <laughs> tipped $200 of not his money. Tipped 2000 yeah. <laughs> You don't have a spending limit? <laughs> yeah, that guy was really nice. Go ahead. <laughs> Screw you, Jeff Probst. <laughs> tipping $1 million. You're tipping big. <laughs> that waiter has now one survivor. <laughs> <laughs> but it all, this dinner also brings up an interesting point, that of the two people that they could have picked, the only two people on there were the two people who didn't drink. Yeah. The waiter offers wine, they don't drink it, and everyone's like, ah, oh, I would have, if I was on there, I would have drank, I would have been so drunk, it would have been great. People back at camp, upset. Remember, I think it was last episode, where I said, just play it cool, if you're Igor and Tammy, and mm -hmm. wait for your moment. Mm -hmm. This should have been their moment. Yeah. This is where the two of them are gone, like, you go... Millie and Pascal are on that boat. You pull Sean and Via aside and like you make something happen. Or you wait until they come back and are rubbing it in people's faces. Yeah. And the opportunity is there because as soon as they get back, it gets really weird. First, General smells Nalia's hair. Creepy. It's creepy. I get it. I get why it's happening. It's creepy. I don't like it. That might be the first pleasant smelling thing he smelled yeah. in... 20 days. I hope permission was asked. Oh, you know it wasn't. <laughs> and Nalia is blissfully unaware of how grating all this information that she is sharing is. She continues to talk and talk and talk about how great this opportunity was. She's so tone deaf. Yeah. Pascal is not... Pascal is fine. He plays this fine. And he's the one that won the challenge. Yeah. Like, I, I've talked before about how reward bitterness isn't really fair um, because somebody's going to win and everyone had an equal shot at the beginning of the challenge. Yeah. But thi this should have gotten Nalia voted off. Straight up. The, the wrong person went home today. Mm. I think in a different season, I think you're absolutely right. But it's also, uh, this is the, the first real strategic mistake that V and Sean have made is not working with Igor and Tammy here. Mm. I see what you're saying. But all speaking of tone death, Nalia, they couldn't bring home food, queerly. It, the meal was set up. Like, there's no way you're bringing anything home from that. But Nalia brings home a mint. A chocolate mint that was already in, in her, her mouth. mouth. This fucking mint. And she's, it's not like she says it once offhandedly. Like, that would have been bad enough. Or, like, as a joke, still would have been bad enough. She's insistent. 
Come on, you guys want to lick it? Come on, have have a mint. Share the mint. It's so <laughs> fucking rude, man. It, it's bad. And she just does... She's so oblivious. She does not know the power that she has to shoot herself in the foot here. She's unloading a whole clip in her goddamn <laughs> foot. <laughs> to, to the point where now it looks like the tables are turning on Nalia. And they should. Because people are talking about how... She's a princess. People are overanalyzing her work at camp, that yeah. she's not really participating as much as other people. Sean's calling her lazy. Yeah. Who, in the beginning of the season, everyone was calling lazy, and I didn't fully believe. And people are recognizing that she's playing the game, and she's playing the game hard. I don't even know if I agree with that. Like, I think she is playing the game. I, I think that it now she's under such a critical lens by everybody mm -hmm. that they're ascribing things that are her just being, like, unaware. Yeah as gay as strategy which i don't necessarily think is true from what we've seen it's people waking up to the idea that hey this person is super nice and super like outgoing and is trying to be nice to everyone mm -hmm. that could just be her or it could be a horrible devious strategy to try to win this game and i think it's just her but but she is also we you know she's the one who instituted the flip on john yeah it's not like she's not playing the game but i don't think this is her playing the game. I think this is her being a fucking idiot. <laughs> Sean's like, yeah, she's snowed everyone. Kathy's like, yeah, she's 60 to 70% sweetness. And the rest, she's just working it. I love it. People are are really digging in. And it's, it's the reward that does it. And so Igor, Igor has a moment here. And it's like, hey, I'm going to go. I'm next on the, on the chopping block here. I'm going to go catch a pig. I have a day off. I'm going to go catch that pig. What is he doing? He's trying to save his butt here because he says almost verbatim that if I catch this pig, they can't vote me off. Yes, they can. They absolutely can. And <laughs> I'm going to save you too because you're going to win immunity and I'm going to catch the pig. So that we're both going to be here. I don't know that that's how that works, buddy. Igor is a simple man. <laughs> He's a very emotional driven man. It's so dumb. And he wastes all this energy. And then they get the, the notice that, oh, by the way, you're having an immunity challenge tonight. It's like, fuck! I wasted so much energy. I thought I would have time. There was time now. <laughs> but luckily for him, it's not a horribly physical dependent no. challenge. It's the fire making challenge with a twist. It's, this is a weird fire making challenge because they are there are a couple different stages to it. One, they're right next to the tribal council set again. Again. All right, that's fine. I wish they would have gone right from there to tribal, but they didn't. Mm. I like giving them time to talk about it. I do too, but I think it's an interesting twist to be like, hey, by the way, no time to think. Go. Yeah, that's true. They had to make a fire and they were using flint and magnesium for the first time here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. They've had no flint. Yeah. I totally forgot because they've had fire. Uh-huh. But coconut husks are very flammable, and so it's made it a little bit easier. It's weird because they're all pretty okay at this. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they had time to practice or what, but it's it's very strange watching as many people get this as, as they did. Well, I think it, like I said, with the coconut husks, I think it also has something to do with that. Just how flammable they are sure. makes using the flint and magnesium a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So they have to light this fire and heat up a bowl filled with popcorn. 
for whatever reason, popcorn. And I go back to my previous comment about how this these challenges feel like they are being put together at the last second. Like, fuck, what do we have? Uh, uh, popcorn. Popcorn, uh, yeah. popcorn oil. Just take that from the crew set. Go, go heat up some popcorn. <laughs> so they have to heat up that popcorn. As soon as one kernel pops, which is a very inconsistent method of timing. Sure. They then have to take their fire and light a second fire and build it so it, like, climbs a tower and lights fireworks. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's the worst of the fire-making challenges since season two, I think. I don't want to say it's the worst, because they're finding a good formula here. True. That's true. It's very inconsistent with how this judging method is. Uh, yeah, and the, the least thought out. The popcorn especially. I mean, it's very clear and obvious when it happens, because yeah. you're like, boom, I have a piece of popcorn. Great. But, like you said, you don't know. There's no set time when a pop, a, a kernel of popcorn is going to pop. Yeah. It just happens when it happens. Ugh. Anyway, challenge happens. V gets fire first, general next, and then people just start knocking it out line by line. Kathy, Sean, Nolia, almost everybody's in this. I really wanted V to win just for V. Yeah. Like, I thought that V, she deserves a win. And she did, she got really close. She did. She did really well. General gets the popcorn first, and then I want to say about a minute later, V gets it. Mm -hmm. And here's where the challenge struggled in my eyes is the transition from the one side to the next side is so easy yeah that essentially what someone is get if you get the fire first mm -hmm. you've won the challenge yeah unless you royally screw this up yep you're, you're it yeah v had no chance to come no back. chance any sort of ground that the general put between him and v is just more time for him to win yep so general wins <laughs> And celebrates. Interesting little moment here. And I know they cut this audio in from another point in the episode, or I don't know where they brought it from. But he's hugging Tammy. He's like, you you ain't going nowhere. I'll try my damnedest. Yeah. I was like, okay. And right. then we see him try nothing. 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 Doesn't Maybe he did. Thing. Maybe he did try to talk to V and Sean. I don't know. But we don't see it. Yeah. The opportunities are there, though, because they, they cut to them up playing at the waterfall, and Tammy, General, and Kathy are all at the top of the waterfall in a little alcove covered by loud noise. Yeah. Why they're not talking about strategy there is beyond me. It I mean, seems like the perfect time to do it. Yeah. Part of the reason why I think this was a big mistake from V and Sean is Kathy... Seems at first uh, after the war challenge, I thought Kathy was going to be alienated because mm -hmm. she was kind of annoyed at Nalia and all of that. Sure, Kathy seems more locked in with the two of them than I would have expected, and I think it comes down to the five of them. V and Sean are on the bottom, so take your and Sean says it's a guaranteed final four. Yeah, so I understand why V and Sean wouldn't want to go to them, but if they come to you, say I hear you. Let me think on it. Yeah. Put your votes on Nalia, mm -hmm. and we'll see what we do. Mm -hmm. That conversation does not happen. It does not. Because for some reason, the, they throw their votes on Vesepia. Which, yeah, I, I marked that down too. That was a dumb move. Yes! Because if you're trying to sway, and I'm sure, again, a conversation was had that we're not going to flip our votes. And so, whatever. But if you're putting votes on these people, there's no chance anybody else is flipping. Yeah. You've just shot yourself in the foot for any last minute changes. Yep. Give yeah. yourself a chance. You know, How 
can you imagine if Sean and V had decided to flip and do it like without talking to them yeah. and just threw their votes on Nalia? Oh my God. Chaos. It would be absolute chaos, but the end result would still be the same. It'd be the same, except the groups of two, the two groups of two would be going after each other much sooner than they're going to. Yeah. But it also makes, it would make Kathy and the general free agents to do something. Yeah. Kathy's going to win this fucking game, isn't she? I'm <laughs> not saying anything. We have thoughts about, like, hey, what if something happens that we don't know about? But nothing happens. This no. is so locked in. Tribal happens. People are like, uh, Jeff asks what you're tired of. Noah's like, the dirt. I'm so sick of being dirty. Just shooting yourself in the foot again. Keep doing it. While she's clean. <laughs> While she's taking a shower a day ago. Kathy's like, yeah, the beach. I'm so sick of this beach. I'm so sick of the bugs. I'm so sick of feeling the way that I feel. And Pascal's like, the monotony. I, I'm, I'm yeah. so tired of being like out here and being bored. That is something we hear from contestants through this season, or through these four seasons, a lot. Yeah, the boredom is hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I forget what he said. He said something along the lines of, like, I, I'd never want to see this beach again. This place is hell. Yeah. Like, oh, jeez. All right, Pascal, you got it. And, of course, General's not giving up immunity, so... No, of course he's not. <laughs> Why even ask, buddy? And yeah, I wrote in big exclamations, why go after V? Zero. I mean, we just talked about it in length, but yeah. it makes me so mad. So Tammy gets voted out in, again, another queen, queen sweep. Tammy and General voted for Vesepia, and everybody else voted for Tammy. I did mark down that Tammy kind of looks like, and again, this is not trying to be mean, but the way that she's looking up at the camera and how her face shape sits, she looks like one of the kids from DuckTales. Okay. <laughs> really specific, weird <laughs> reference, but enjoy that. Go, go, go look at that. Woo! <laughs> Any thoughts? Thoughts about the episode? I, I really like this episode. I think that if... If Sean and V had pulled the trigger on Nolia, I think they could, with one of them could have won. Mm. I don't think they do now. Okay. I just can't imagine Kathy swinging to the Sean and V side. Like, with how close... Something I hadn't appreciated when we when I called Kathy a free agent earlier is how much time she spent on Mara Amu with the two of them and that small tribe. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that she's going to break from them. Unless she feels like she doesn't want to come in third or... Like, she has to make it so she has to win immunity. Sure. If she can believe that Sean and V could be pitted against each other for her benefit, then maybe? Because she knows that she's not going to be able to pit Nalia and Pascal against each other. Right. I'm going to put you on the spot here again. Because we've, once again, wiped out one of your... Uh, Tammy's gone. Tammy doesn't win. Tammy doesn't win. So we need a new winner pick. You're fourth of the season. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. How many times? I, just, just guess everyone. Yeah, just keep going. I would love for Sean to win, but okay. I do not think it's Sean. Okay. That would make me very happy, but I don't think it's Sean. I actually think it might be Kathy. Oh, okay. What, what makes you say that? She's just, she's in a good spot. Like I said, being that person that can swing. Uh, I also think that she's, I don't know what the, what the final three challenge will be if she made it to final three, but... I could see her beating Pascal and Nalia if it's a stamina challenge. Yeah. And if she gets to the final two, then I think she probably wins. But we'll see. She's very smart. Yeah. I, I Her evolution has been fascinating to watch. Yeah. She was an, an early, like, first boot contender. <laughs> and now you're champion. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So 
What do we think about Tammy? Tammy, how does Tammy do in a future season? I think she could do really well, actually. She's a strong competitor. Mm -hmm. She's good at the challenges. She clearly has the respect of the people in her tribe. Um, it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like there's anyone that dislikes her as a person. They're they're like respectful and a little fearful of her. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I could absolutely see her doing. Well, you're not going to vote her off pre-merge. She's yep. good at the challenges. Yep. And she's really good around camp. She got burned because a power swap had never happened. But then she played it pretty well after that and just didn't do enough. <laughs> her aligning with the people that she aligned with was the biggest thing hurting her game. Yeah. No, I would... Like, if you if you simulated her... If you simulated a season with her ten times, I think she'd make final four, like... Or final five, like, half of them. Mm. I'm just thinking of that crew of four... Um, you aligned yourself with John, with the general, and with Zoe. Yeah. That's an unfortunate lineup there. Yeah. <laughs> I also well, see why the early season didn't focus on them, because they're not that interesting. I mean, Tammy, Tammy's interesting, Igor has, is a little bit interesting, and John was very interesting. But as oh, a yeah. group, they weren't that interesting together. They didn't seem to really like each other that much. No, they don't mesh very well, and they're all super competitive, so yeah. they just fed into that and spiraled themselves out of control. Yeah. That's great. She does not come back. That's a shame. She does go on to have a really good career as a journalist. Mm. She works for many different outlets. The first one gets me like, oh, works for the New York Post, uh, gets a name for herself, uh, then goes on to work for NBC work for uh, MSNBC, is a writer for Rachel Maddow. Wow, okay. Uh, wins a Peabody hmm. and like an Emmys and does really good, is, is a very good journalist. Hell yeah. So, yeah. Tammy Leitner. She outperformed my expectations. For my expectations for her early in the season were not. So, that's cool. Good yeah. for her. Good for Tammy. Who's your protagonist of the episode? I mean, I feel like it has to be Nalia, right? Even though I think she's the protagonist, but she doesn't know she's the protagonist. Like would, she's just—I would hope nobody knows they're well, the protagonist. Well, okay, but like she's the most important person in the episode, and she doesn't know it. Like <laughs> she is blissfully unaware of the things that she's doing. Yes, it didn't end up costing her, but like it should have been the story of Nolia's downfall. So yeah, it's yeah. it's it's not the greatest story in the world because it doesn't have the ending that it should. <laughs> yeah. But I think it has to be her or Pascal. They're okay. big focuses of the episode. Yeah. And before we we go, before we move on, we we see a twist or a, a a big reveal happening in the preview to the next episode where people get emotional. Any guess what that is? So my first thought was family, like a family mm -hmm. visit, but this seems so remote, like to the point that people aren't going home sure. when they, like Peter is just hanging around Marquesas. Yeah. And he got voted off day three. So I don't know if they could do that logistically, but that was my first thought okay. when they did it. All right. And this is the point in the season when like family stuff starts to happen, like the <laughs> like cafe survivor and <laughs> all those kinds of things. Yeah. All right. Then uh, let's wrap this up and go watch an episode. Bumper! <laughs> well, that'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Like I said, we're going to go watch an episode. We're going to go plop down on my couch. I'm going to get a snack. It's going to be great. 
Jared, do you have anything you want to promote? Yeah, I would like to promote 13 Sentinels. I don't know if I've done it already. Hmm, I don't think you have. It's another video game. I'm not a big visual novel person. This is part visual novel, part uh, mech strategy game, like RTS. Mm -hmm. 13 different protagonists, non-linear story, but it just has such... The storytelling is so tight, and even when you don't know what's going on, it's clear that the writers know what's going on and that you will eventually understand what's going on. Someday I will learn what's going on in this game. Well, there's just times when mysteries... I fucking hate J.J. Abrams. <laughs> fucking hate him as a director because he sets... He's really good at setting up mystery boxes that have no solution. That ha Lost is a good example. Or all of the new Star Wars movies. Despise him. <laughs> this is not that. There's a mystery box, and you know that it has a solution. You just don't know what it is right away. Yeah. Okay. It's very tight. Okay. It's great. I agreed with you like I knew what this game is. I've never played this game. I am once again going to promote, if you are in the Chicago area and you want to go to C2E2 with us, we are going Sunday. Sunday the 2nd of April. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! I don't know when the tickets or if there's a limited quantity i'm assuming there's a limited quantity sure so if that is something you're interested in go look at that now <laughs> what's really funny is when i i bought the tickets the it asked me like what are you interested in and give us some quick some boxes so we can give you some things that we think you would like at this and one of them was professional wrestling huh i was like there's gonna be professional wrestling at this comic-con type event interesting this is gonna be weird i don't know what to expect out of this hmm. 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 my co-host jared this is steven my host steven this is jared you know the stone cold steve austin stutter by god he had a family i don't know wrestling bye-bye <laughs>